What is up, guys, and welcome into another episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Pace. Hope you're doing well on this July 7th. Got a Saturday weekend edition episode coming out for you guys. Man, that music never gets old to me. I love that shit. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about the shows. I've been thinking about the episodes I've been putting out. And I always get a good mix of NBA, NFL's talk, you know. I, I try to mix it up and, you know, put in enough basketball talk with some NFL uh, stuff as we, you know, get through the slow days of the NFL season. You know, we got to wait really until training camp, preseason, the season start before we get heavy into that. NBA does a much better job of making, you know, themselves a year-round brand. But I was thinking, you know, I, I've had some feedback. I've got people that really just want to listen to football for an episode. And then I've got people that also say they want to listen to just basketball stuff for an episode. So I think we're going to divide it up. We're going to make, you know, maybe one of the episodes a week, purely NFL um, and football related. The other one, basketball, just to get a good, you know, separate sides of podcasts. So we, you know, you know, people don't have to skip around each episode to find the subjects they want to listen to. Um, So this one, first, all NFL talk. Um, I got a bunch of things you know, a lot of headlines in the news um, came out this week. Just some stuff to go over there. Of course, we'll do another season preview. Up next is the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And then just, you know, I had an interesting um, evaluation of some of the teams after, you know, reading an article today. So this is an all-NFL episode of the Blake Pace podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes and hopefully, you know, shake things up a little bit. Maybe, you know, if this sticks and this gets, you know, better feedback um, from those listening that will move forward like this in the future. So I was going through just, you know, reading a bunch of stuff online, a bunch of NFL articles, getting, you know, you know, passing the days by as we approach this NFL season, just seeing what's going on in the world of the NFL. And uh, I was reading up on this article, it was on ESPN, and it was ranking the best, you know, running back depth charts in the NFL. And then I started thinking about all the great, you know, duos that there are at the running back position, you know, those that complement each other extremely well. And it got me thinking, you know, who are really the top five running back duos that separate themselves from the rest of the league? And, you know, these aren't going to be, you know, stud guys at number one with shaky number twos. You know, it's not going to be like Todd Gurley and the rest of the Rams in here. Um, You know, I don't think that that is really what makes that duo so prolific. Um, And this is for the upcoming season. This isn't, you know, what we saw from last year. We can take what we, what I saw from last year and apply it to this upcoming season. But this is kind of just me looking ahead as the year starts. Like I said, we're a little slow in NFL news right now until we get to training camp. And it really just got me thinking because there are a lot of interesting um, NFL duos or committees in the running back position. Um, so we're going to count. I'm going to give, you know, my top five from five to one. And this was really interesting. Some of the teams that I had up on this um, in consideration as we approach this year, but didn't make the cut. Um, first, one of the ones that I thought of first was the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I don't have them in my top five just because we need to see Dalvin Cook come back from this ACL injury and you know play at a healthy level because you know it was great what we saw with Dalvin in the first in the beginning of the uh, last year's season. Of course, torn ACL, shut him down for the rest of the year. Um, you know him, he definitely has the makings uh, with Latavius Murray of being able to be a great uh, duo for Minnesota. I just need to see a fully healthy Dalvin Cook before I, you know, put him above some of these other teams. Another team I considered um, but didn't have in my top five, the New York Giants. Um, They were an interesting one because it was more, it's not, 
I like the duo there. Um, I thought Saquon Barkley elevates the the level or the expectations for this duo um, with, you know, of course, with him and Jonathan Stewart now, you know, in New York from the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, Jonathan Stewart, I see as more as between the tackles guy, short yardage situation. Saquon Barkley, Barkley can do it all. I just think that um, Jonathan Stewart is there to kind of uh, take some of the pressure in short yardage situations, get less beating um, up on Saquon. Saquon will do a lot in the receiving game, outside the tackles. And I'm, I think that, you know, they'll definitely work their way up on this list into the top five. But I need to see it together. I need to see Jonathan Stewart bounce back after some shaky years uh, previously in Carolina was a little banged up. And of course, Saquon hasn't really taken an NFL snap yet. Um, I believe that he's going to step on the field as one of the best running backs in football. But of course, we're going to have to wait and see. Got to be a little hesitant on that. Um, Another one that I had up there, and this is previewing a guy that I'm pretty high on going into this upcoming season, uh, Cincinnati Bengals with Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon. Um, I'm big on, I'm super high on Joe Mixon. I think that, you know, he is going to really be given the keys to this team next season as their feature back. Um, he didn't really have a great season last year, mostly, you know, in the first half of the season because the coaches were hesitant into giving him enough um, snaps in which it, it really confused me. I didn't understand why he wasn't getting the uh, the touches that I believe he deserved. I thought he was, you know, the most talented back on that depth chart. Um, and then Gio Bernard, I also think, you know, compliments him well. Um, you know, the offensive line there is really shaky too. So while I think that they might be in this top eight range, their offensive line really doesn't help them out at all. Um, so I definitely had to keep them out of the top five. But now we'll talk about my top five. Um, and right now, it's right off the bat, number five is the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, like I said, uh, last episode, my man crush on Pat Mahomes, he's got a great, you know, running back duo behind him. I um, mean, last year's, you know, leading rusher in the NFL, Kareem Hunt, and then a returning Spencer Ware, um, which I think a lot of people looking at this Chiefs team are, you know, forgetting Spencer Ware has had some great times in Kansas City, um, you know, especially, you know, the seasons where Jamal Charles got hurt. He really came onto the scene late, um, provides a lot in the receiving game. Kareem Hunt, of course, like I said, I believe will, you know, take even another step after his great rookie season last year. Um, and, you know, in an Andy Reid offense, it, it, there's so much to do out of the backfield. Um, you know, I think that Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, definitely a top five duo in the league and uh, definitely will help a rookie quarterback, you know, take some of the pressure off in the running game, set up easier situations for Pat Mahomes, um, can work off a lot of play action, read option stuff as well. Spencer Ware can also be that guy out of the backfield, you know, slipping out, doing some screen plays, making life easier for the quarterback in a high-octane offense. So, number five, Chiefs, Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware. Now on my way to number four, and this one by the end of the season honestly could be up there in the top three. I have them at number four just because we haven't seen them yet on the on the field yet together. Um, you know, even, you know, this the, the, the head of the duo hasn't really gotten his chance at the full-time starting position. That's the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, who was formerly of the New England Patriots. You know, this was another situation I thought was, you know, kind of resembled the over the past years what we saw last year in Cincinnati with Joe Mixon. Coaching staff really, you know, was really just beating into the ground. DeMarco Murray, DeMarco Murray, DeMarco Murray, playing him when he was hurt, playing him, you know, significantly more snaps than Derrick Henry. Yet Derrick Henry gets on there for one snap, has a 10-yard rush, and then is off the off the field again for DeMarco Murray's bum ass to get in there and play. Um, 
new coaching system, uh, new coaching staff. DeMarco Murray is now gone. Derrick Henry is at the forefront of this running game. And honestly, he's one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen at the position. You know, I, like I, I love to talk about Saquon Barkley and how I think he's going to change the game. Derrick Henry is a guy that is going to explode on the scene next year. Um, you don't you don't see guys built like him with his combination of speed. He is a mammoth on the field, but still can cut around the corner real nice, explodes through the tackle into the secondary. And then you've got Deion Lewis right behind him, an all-around great running back. You know, he is one of those guys that will just help out Marcus Mariota in the passing game as well, read options, stuff like that. Deion Lewis works all around the field and you know you're gonna have your your go-to run you know first and second down Derrick Henry third down Deion Lewis comes in maybe even run Derrick Henry Deion Lewis both in the backfield uh two running backs with Mariota there and you run just you know there's countless possibilities with this running game um I think you know I have them at four just because we haven't seen them on there together it's why also you know the Giants off of this list we haven't seen Saquon on a football field yet. We haven't seen the combination of Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry work together yet. I think that they have top three capabilities by the end of next season. I'm extremely excited to see them work around a, a Tennessee team that is, you know, slept on very much. And I say that as an Indian, Indianapolis Colts fan, it, it hurts me to say this, but I think Tennessee has a sneaky team. Of course, you have to get the coaching staff adjusted get the new locker room going around. Hopefully they can keep this momentum they have going after making the postseason last year. I think that it starts in the run game. Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, my number four uh, running back duo heading into next season. And now we've arrived to my top three. And uh, you know I'll let you know, number five and number four are guys that we haven't really seen work together yet. All of these three were at the top of you know last year's running back duos. Um, you know, some guys that I expect to either, you know, improve on what they did last year or, you know, explode even further. Um, number three, the Chicago Bears, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Um, you know, Jordan Howard, a former sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, he has been amazing behind a great Chicago offensive line um, in kind of a weird offensive system. I spoke about the Bears a couple episodes ago. I really think Matt Nagy is going to elevate that offense. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's performance <clears throat> as well. The running game should only improve as well. I think they did a good job, you know, even solidifying um, the middle of their offensive line even more this past offseason. Uh, I like the combination. It, it's worked. You know that it works. Um, Jordan Howard is your bell cow running back. Tariq Cohen is your scat back out of the backfield doing a lot of things in the passing game. Like a Deion Lewis, like a Spencer Ware. The, these guys I have ahead just because we have seen Jordan Howard for the past few years, put in some solid work. Tariq Cohen has also shown that he works well as a complement to Jordan Howard. And I think in what will be, in total, a much improved offense next year, the running game should at least stay at the same level that it was the past two seasons. And that should you know, say a lot about the duo work of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. They're my number three running back duo heading into next season. Number two, and what could have easily been my number one running back duo going into next season, we're in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram uh, were probably the best running back duo last season. Um, it was explosive. You had Mark Ingram working well between the tackles, also had some great long runs, but then you put in Alvin Kamara, and he you know averaged seven yards a touch uh, last season. 
was amazing in the passing game, you know, was a great option for Drew Brees, one of the more accurate quarterbacks this league has ever seen. Um, the offense was churning. Sean Payton, of course, is a great offensive mind. You know, you look at this list, I've got the Chiefs at five, Andy Reid, great offensive mind. Number two, New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, great offensive mind, one of the best head coaches in the league currently. Um, and he's got a stellar rookie who I believe is going to take over next season as the feature back. Um, and the reason I have them at number two, Mark Ingram suspended for the first four games for, you know, taking PEDs, um, you know, failed the drug test, missing the first four games of the season. Players, after being caught uh, using steroids, um, you know, having to serve your suspension, they lose a step. You know, if you if you're spending time and you're taking performance enhancing drugs and then you just have to cut cold turkey, you're, you know, you're going to lose a little of your step that you were gaining because of those drugs. I'm not saying that Mark Ingram is going to fall off a cliff. I think he has been a pretty reliable running back the past few years. I just don't think we're going to see him at the same level as we saw last year um, and maybe the past few years. But in my mind, I still can put them at number two because I think while Mark Ingram might take a step back, Alvin, Ing uh, Alvin Kamara is going to take a huge leap forward. I think he is going to provide more in, you know, first down carry, second down. You know, he was more used in second, third down situations um, in the passing game. I think that he'll improve as a runner between the tackles. He was great, you know, along the outside, pushing up the field. I think that, you know, bulking up a little too, he can become a guy in between the tackles that gets the job done um, and work his way to being one of the better running backs in football. You know, I'm a, I'm a little worried that Mark Ingram will take a step back but because of the talent that Alvin Kamara shows, they're the number two running back duo in the NFL as we head into the next NFL season. And now we've worked our way up to number one, and we're staying in the division. We're going with the Atlanta Falcons. Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, until someone takes it from them, they're the best running back duo in this league. I thought last year Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram really made a run for their money. Um, they had an amazing season in New Orleans. Uh, but then you take a look at Atlanta, and, and yes, they've had some great years under Kyle Shanahan as well, but I thought their offense in total, play calling as well, definitely took a step back last year when Kyle Shanahan left for San Francisco to become the head coach over there. Um, <clears throat> Steve Sarkeesian was their new OC. I have been a big, I've been pretty critical of him um, in his last season at, with the offense in Atlanta. But nevertheless, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman are the best running back duo in the league. Over the last three seasons, the two of them have combined for over 4,500 rushing yards, over 2,000 receiving yards, and 55 total touchdowns. They have been one of the best running games in the NFL over the last three years. And over the last three years, they've also been one of the most successful teams in football. Of course, the Super Bowl appearance two seasons ago made the playoffs the last three years. This has really been, um, you know, you specifically look in Matt Ryan's career. This is definitely the most successful part of his career. I think it goes to show you that it's also because of the prolific running game that he has had over the last few years. And that's also, you know, a lot to say because of these are some young guys. Um, you know, Devonta Freeman, 25 years old last season. Tevin Coleman, 24 years old. Um, I like the, the youth with this duo. I think they, you know, share enough of the load that they both don't have to carry it so much as the other, you know, Tevin Coleman had, you know, the, his highest, uh, rushing total last season with 156 attempts. Tevin Coleman's was down almost 30, um, or was down over 30 touches on the ground. Uh, you know, I think that they both complement each other enough where they can share the load evenly. 
um, and they don't have to really ask one guy to do too much for the other, um, which is kind of what I think you saw um, last season with New Orleans. I think they the reason they used Mark Ingram so much is because of Alvin Kamara's build. You know, he was a little banged up, but there was that concussion as well late in the season. Um, I thought that they really had to use Mark Ingram so much because if they, you know, tried to work and work and work Alvin Kamara like he like like uh, you know as a bell cow, then he would have just been banged up. Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman are able to share those touches, still have success, and really none of them have that bad of an injury history. And as they go into next year, I know they took a, a small step back with Star Steve Sarkeesian in his offense, um, but I expect them hopefully to at least you know build up uh, the success that they had in the previous years, 2015, 2016, and replicate that in 2018. Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman... You would be my number two if Mark Ingram wasn't serving that four-game suspension and isn't off the PEDs anymore. But because they are, because I believe he takes a step back, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, my number one running back duo as we head into the 2018 season. And this is a perfect segue into the next topic we're talking about because, uh, you know, some pretty big news um, in the NFL the other day, and it was it came from a running back, a running back I didn't have as a top duo, but is definitely one of the best running backs in football, uh, Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams came out uh, the other day and talked about a potential strike uh, after the collective bargaining agreement ends in 2021, um, a strike from the players to ensure guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Um, and this has been something, you know, I feel like a lot of people familiar with when the CBA runs out and, you know, a feel of where the NFL players are in terms of you know, renegotiating and stuff like that. I, I, it seems to be that we are heading towards um, another lockout, you know, another time away from the NFL in 2021. Um, you know, I think that, you know, specifically my, my two cents, because I am the players podcast, I want, you know, NBA players to get the money. I want them to secure the bag, get that money guaranteed when they can. You never know when your career is going to end. And, uh, you know, I want I want them to do what's best for their careers and best for their families, stuff like that. I'm all for a strike if that's what it takes to get guaranteed contracts. Um, but I've got a little Blake Pace PR that I want to say to Todd Gurley because he came out and he said this, and I really think that it was it was monumental in the fact that he is, you know, an MVP candidate next season for the Los Angeles Rams and probably what should be the best team in football or, you know, the best roster in football. You know, he is the one of the best running backs in football. And for him to come out and say this, you know, a couple of years ahead, we've still got three years until this strike or until football takes a little break because of this collective bargaining agreement. Um, you know, it, it's big because it's not, you know, your 52nd guy on the depth chart saying, yeah, we want guaranteed contracts too. You've got an MVP candidate, a top running back in football, a young guy who's going to be there in 2021, should still be a top guy in the league in 2021, saying we might you know, just take a step back and, you know, wait for those guaranteed contracts, not play until we get that certainty that NBA and MLB players get on a daily basis. Um, so it got me thinking some Blake Pace PR, uh, <clears throat> of course the CBA is up in 2021. And, um, if I'm Todd Gurley, I'm looking at this and Todd Gurley is represented by rock nation sports. Um, I like, you know, rock nation sports as an agency, you know, they represent a lot of great talents and a lot of guys that, you know, are big figures in today's game of Kevin Durant in the NBA to name one. And like I just mentioned, Todd Gurley, if I'm Todd Gurley, I'm looking at rock nation. I'm looking at their other uh, clients. 
And I'm giving him a little bit of a phone call. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I just came out and said this. Over the next few years, I think, you know, Rock Nation, we as, you know, collective representatives from this uh, organization, you know, Jay-Z at the helm, we should be pushing for, you know, guaranteed contracts. We should be getting the word out now so when 2021 comes, they know what we want right off the bat. And luckily for Todd Gurley and Rock Nation Sports, they have got what will be some of the biggest names in football a few years down the road. And uh, I think that Todd Gurley could call up Juju Smith-Schuster, who is on his way to being a top receiver in football, had an amazing rookie season, a well-outspoken guy, a guy you see on social media often, always, you know, putting headlines in there. He's a goofy, funny guy. I think that he should, you know, maybe, you know, get a call from Todd Gurley, work something out. Hey, man, uh, let's, let's, you know, put some word out there. Let these owners know what we're looking for. You know, if we get the words in their head enough, they're going to understand and maybe we can avoid a lengthier lockout. Um, other guys I'll call up Leonard Fournette, Melvin Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Yannick Ngakwe. Those are young guys. I think will still be extremely relevant in the 2021 season where we can have this cult of, you know, rock nation talent having said for years, we're not playing. We're not. We're going on strike until we get these fully guaranteed contracts. And so, you know, I think that that is, you know, an immense step for them to put the word out there. Um, you know, whether it's you know tweeting at each other, you know, uh, Juju Smith tweeting at Todd Gurley, hey, respect what you said. I agree. We got to work on these guaranteed contracts. Look at these other leagues, all the money that they're getting uh, just right at their signature. Um, and I think that plays a big part into being able to get the word out. You know, if you get local, you know, if you get fans to really support that, and these are guys that the fans should love, you know, the younger uh, NFL fans love Juju Smith-Schuster. They're going to love Saquon Barkley. Leonard Fournette is another guy, a young guy. Todd Gurley, a young guy that the, you know, younger NFL fans can connect with because you also have to look at appealing to current, you know, or the next wave of NFL fans, these younger guys who are all about the swag, you know, the money, the showing off on the field, the touchdown celebrations, what are they going to want to see? They're going to want to see football and they're going to want to see their guys that they love seeing, you know, on social media get paid. So, you know, that's my first step. And then the second step is something that they're completely out of control on and it relies on one specific person in the NFL right now if the NFL wants guaranteed contracts. And that's Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Kirk made headlines this past offseason when he signed a three-year, $90 million fully guaranteed contract to become the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And now the pressure's on for him. And he's, you know, he's got the entire NFL watching him over the next three years because the dude needs to perform. This needs to be the leverage that NFL players can have when they go into these meetings, when the NFLPA goes into these meetings with the owners, with Commissioner Goodell. They need to be able to say, hey, we've had a guy here who has who had made a three-year fully guaranteed contract at a, at a large amount of money and performed. And I'm not talking that he needs to, you know, have good stats or whatever. Minnesota needs to win. They're in a, you know, they've got a great team. They're in a Super Bowl window. They need to get far in the playoffs. They need to make an NFC championship game, um, which they did before Kirk Cousins got this deal. And I think that they're capable of, you know, getting back to that same level. Um, 
but they need to do it at a consistent rate and Kirk needs to put up numbers. You know, we can't have Kirk take a step back from his Washington days because of course, while he didn't have the roster that he has now in Minnesota back in DC, he definitely, you know, needs to be able to have, you know, either sustain numbers or improve success with, you know, what might be a better team to be so players can go into these meetings in 2021 and say, here's Kirk Cousins' resume. Here is his time with Minnesota. They won X amount of games. He threw X amount of touchdowns. His performance didn't digress uh, digress because he, you know, knew he had all this guaranteed money and didn't have to worry about earning it at the NFL level because that's what owners are are worried about. We pay a guy fully guaranteed contract, a large amount of money. From that day on, he stops caring about the sport. He, you know, takes a step back. His training isn't as hard. He's not going as hard at practices or in games. He doesn't have to worry about his next deal. The owners want the NFL players hungry. They want them ready to earn money, earn every single penny that they can. And I'm not saying the NFL players don't, but that's just the owner's perspective as to why they won't give guaranteed contracts. Also, it's tough to give guaranteed contracts in the NFL because of injuries. You know, they're much more likely and stuff like that. But if the players can get around one collective guy and go in you know, three years down the road and say, you know, here is, you know, resumes A, B, and C. They had fully guaranteed contracts because I do believe Kirk Cousins has at least set a precedent for, you know, future uh, quarterback free agents. You know, Aaron Rodgers next deal, he might be asking for fully guaranteed. Um, a few other guys, of course, I, you know, there will be big free agent names out there that are going to say, I want that Kirk Cousins deal. I want every dollar guaranteed at my signing. And, you know, I believe that there might be another team or two that is able to do that. And, you know, we can go in in 2021. The players can go up. Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, maybe Andrew Luck when his deal is up. These three guys got fully guaranteed deals and their performance didn't take a step back. Because NFL teams might be willing to do it for quarterbacks here and there on a rarity but you have to convince them that, you know, defensive backs or offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they deserve all their money guaranteed at signing. And, you know, it's tough to say because from the owner's perspective, it is a big risk for them. They could be losing a, a decent amount of money just because of, you know, unfortunate injuries. Um, but then the other, the completely other side of that is that the NFL players are sacrificing their bodies on a football field, and if they don't have a guaranteed contract, they get a major injury, their career is over, and they have no money to sit back on and support their family, you know, trying to find a new way of life, a new job, a new, you know, just outlook on life and, you know, a new future. They don't have the money to support them in that time, and it's all because of a non-guaranteed contract and a, a, a fluke play on a, on a football field. Um, so, you know, I'm just, if you haven't been aware of the situation that the NFL is in. I'm sorry to break your hearts, but 2021, we're going to have another lockout and it's going to be much longer than what we've had in previous, um, you know, negotiations and stuff like this between the players and then the owners and Goodell. It is going to be a very rough time. And I do believe, you know, we'll see a, a pause in the play of football. Um, but, you know, Todd Gurley, first off, did a great job in getting the word out there as you know one of the biggest names in football is hey we're probably gonna have to take a strike to get guaranteed money you know to get some of what the nba and the mlb has i believe he should hit up some of these other young stars young budding stars 
from Rock Nation Sports, a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Saquon Barkley, a Leonard Fournette. Like, hey guys, you know, you should start putting this word out here too because, you know, you're a wide receiver, a running back, you're going to want that guaranteed money too. So, you know, if we get the fans behind this, we can present at the 2021 CBA and say, you know, we've got support from those watching football for fully guaranteed deals. Um, you know, look at the NBA, look at the MLB. This is what we believe in. You also need production from Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, um, you know, for other quarterbacks to get guaranteed deals as well. And then for you to go in 2021 and be Kirk Cousins did X amount, got X amount of wins, won a Super Bowl even with a fully guaranteed contract. These players aren't just trying to, you know, work for their next pay job. They understand the responsibilities of being given all that money up front, earning that contract. They're going to want to go out there and still perform, even if they've got all that money guaranteed. You know, this is the right start. I believe Todd Gurley is doing an amazing job for the NBA, or sorry, for the NFL players. It's sitting here on July 7th in 2020 or 2018. Um, I believe that, you know, we're heading in the right direction for the player's perspective as we approach um, the end of the current CBA. Just a couple other news stories I found interesting across the NFL the past few days. Um, It was reported earlier today that there will be seven first-year NFL officials among the 2018 class of 121 referees. So, of course, you know, a small number of uh, officials being promoted, of course, you know, from the likes of the SEC, the Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10, um, you know, the NFL is in a really weird situation referee-wise, especially with um, instant replay and the new helmet contact rule. Um, having a new, a few new officials in there might be a scary headline, but you know something I think that is a little overblown. Seven first-year officials out of 121. That's not big of a. That's not that big of a deal. Another headline that I think that we shouldn't really be putting much into. Uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, the overblown statement of the week, Jarvis Landry says Tyrod Taylor has looked amazing. Um, I always like to think that, you know, we're in the months of July and these headlines are so funny when they get put in the um, headlines of NFL.com, ESPN, Bleach Report, stuff like that. It's really just a point of NFL players or NFL media members are running out of stuff to say. And I've even mentioned it on this show. It is a dry time in the NFL. Um, But, you know, there has, you know, Jarvis Landry comes out, said uh, Tyrod Taylor has looked amazing. Um, His leadership, quoting Landry, um, he told NFL.com, his leadership, his arm, accuracy, and he's ready. He's the starting quarterback, and I'm sure that obviously the decision is up to head coach Hugh Jackson and the offensive staff, but I'm sure they've been highly impressed with what he's done in OTAs and minicap. Like I discussed with James Ferris on the last uh, episode of the Blake Pace podcast um, in an interview specifically on the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback next year and might even be, you know, two years down the road. Um, we, we've talked about Baker and, you know, his adjustment, you know, getting ready to play in the NFL. Tyrod, of course, is going to, you know, hopefully be the best quarterback that the Browns have had in quite some time. Um, I certainly think that he will be, especially with the offensive weapons that he has. But of course, it's just, it's, it's common at this point in the year that, you know, oh, this wide receiver says their quarterback, their new quarterback looks amazing. It's, it's kind of just like the, 
the BS statements of the offseason. Of course, you know, we'll we'll get to decide that when the NFL season approaches. Right now, it's just a bunch of smoke being blown up our asses. But I do believe that there, you know, is something to say that the players at least are enjoying working with Tyrod um, in this new offense, in this new look Cleveland Browns team. And our last part of the show now, we'll go on to my season preview uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Certainly an interesting team, especially because um, they had like a, a really interesting last two seasons, of course, making the playoffs two years ago, um, advancing to the second round, being, you know, having their hearts ripped open by Aaron Rodgers in that uh, playoff game. And then last season, um, you know, losing Zeke for six games, you know, missing the playoffs. Uh, it's really, you know, where do they move on? Where do they move forward now as they approach the upcoming season? And I think that, like I've said, when talking about the NFC, it's going to be an extremely tough year. And when you look, especially in the NFC East, the Eagles are the reigning Super Bowl champions. I have, you know, much higher hopes for the New York Giants going into next year. I think that they have, you know, potential to be that bounce back team next year. Um, and Washington also is improving. So Dallas really has an interesting situation. I, I'm not high on their secondary, and that's something they still have failed to address. Um, they've drafted, you know, Fabian Moreau, Fabian Moreau uh, two years back, and I, I'd like him as, you know, a few years down the road being, you know, a great guy in the defensive uh, back for them. Um, I, I like their pass rush. Sean Lee, stay healthy, please. Um, you know, they lost Anthony Hitchens in the middle of that defense to the Kansas City Chiefs. Their defense is worrisome. I'm okay with the pass rush. They also lost, you know, their old defensive court or their old linebackers coach who is now with the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Eberflus. Um, I'm a little worried defensively for them on offense. They're, of course, they're going to be fine in the running game. You've got a top five running back in the league with Ezekiel Elliott. You also have one of the best offensive lines in all of football, just by name. Maybe it's not by production last season because there were a few offensive line units that definitely performed at a better level. But if you're just looking at the names on the back of the jerseys, Dallas definitely has one of the best offensive lines in football to support that running back. They've got Dak Prescott, who, you know, isn't really your, you know, big play guy. He works the middle of the field well. He makes good reads. He is cautious with the football, and he makes the right decision most of the time. And then, um, you know, the receiving core. You, you've lost Jason Witten. You've lost Des Bryant. You have added uh, Alan Hearns as your new number one wide receiver. Um, I definitely have question marks all up and down the roster about the Dallas Cowboys. And I believe that, you know, Zeke and Dak can combine to do enough. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's enough to sneak into the playoffs again. And honestly, to finish in the top two in their division. Um, I have them finishing 8-8 eight and eight on the season. Third in their division. It's like I've said, the NFC is tough. They're going to be 10th in the NFC. Now just think about that. Team goes 500 and gets 10th. Nine teams finish better than them, tied or better. Um, to me, you know, going through the guys, the things that I provide with every team I go through, the team MVP is Ezekiel Elliott. You saw what they looked like without Zeke and what they look like with Zeke. Um, their running game is, you know, their entire offense gets a boost from when Zeke is in the backfield. Um, you know, playing for a full season next year, having even, you know, six games less of a beating taken on him. He'll be fresh for the upcoming year. He is the team MVP. Um, he's also the team's fantasy player. I'm not, you know, really excited for anyone 
in the passing game. Um, I think it's going to be a wait and see how this group works together. Now, you know, moving on from the Des Bryant and Jason Witten era, um, I still believe Zeke behind that offensive line has the abilities, you know, to turn it up outside, to work in between the tackles. He'll be your fantasy guy. It's, you know, obviously a first round pick in uh, fantasy football drafts. So there's something to be excited about there. Um, you know, if you're a big fantasy guy, of course, Zeke is always up there the past few years is, you know, you got to take him in the first round if you want, you know, a go-to running back, a number one guy that's going to lead your fantasy football teams. And then, you know, rookie of the year for this team was interesting to decide on, mostly because I wasn't a big fan of their draft class in total. Um, you know, I you thought that Connor Williams was probably one of the worst um, early round prospects at the offensive line. Michael Gallup, I wasn't necessarily high on. I definitely had a list of wide receivers I preferred over him. Um, I thought the tight ends they took, uh, or the tight end they took, Dalton Schultz, wasn't really on my radar, you know, from Stanford. Also taking Mike White from Western Kentucky. Um, you know, Bo Scarborough in the seventh round is interesting as a good power back to have, you know, in short yarded situations if you don't want Zeke to be taking a beating. Um, process of elimination and due to opportunity. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch, first round pick, 19th overall pick, linebacker from Boise State, should be in you know my eyes the rookie of the year for this team specifically um just because of opportunity losing anthony hitchens i think he slides in to the linebacker position into that linebacking core that of course like i said gets a little banged up sean lee has some trouble staying healthy of course you lose anthony hitchens the middle of that defense i think should you know there should be an opportunity for uh vander esch to get some playing time and just because i'm not entirely high on the draft class if there was another guy I'd, i would go with michael gallup just because i think the wide receiving committee in dallas enough is hurt um you know outside of alan hearns um you know some of the other guys that they've had there for a few years it's a little rocky um so maybe michael gallup gets that chance to break into the starting lineup by the end of the season and really put up some you know have a good connection with dak but I don't see that, you know, being something for the full season. What I do see consistently being able to happen for the Cowboys is Anthony or Anthony Hitchens, Leighton Vander Esch being able to get an opportunity to, uh, you know, put in an effort in the middle of that defense, help stuff the run game, maybe help, you know, cover some lesser tight ends um, out in pass coverage. Uh, should be a, a a good start to his NFL career. Just recapping. Uh, everything I've said earlier, Dallas Cowboys will finish eight and eight on the season. I got question marks up and down this roster. You know, Dak took a step back his last season. Can he, you know, improve on, you know, what we saw from his rookie year, maybe bring some of that back, have some better success. The running game will be just fine with Zeke, um, in the backfield, the wide receiving core, I definitely think needs just a, a shaking up. Um, you know, someone needs to establish themselves as the number one. I believe it'll be Alan Hearns, but, um, as to what that means to have him as your number one wide receiver, we'll have to wait and see. Secondary, to me, still is shaky. Um, front seven is pretty consistent. I think Leighton Vander Esch will establish himself as, you know, the rookie of the year for that team. Fantasy player uh, for the Cowboys has got to be Zeke. You know, I hate to just be obvious with this pick, but he is a top talent at the running back position and definitely is deserving of being taken in the first round of, you know, fantasy playoff or fantasy drafts. Um, and he's also the team MVP. He's, you know, the best player on the roster. I mean, I'm not going to choose Dan Bailey, uh, even though he is a great kicker. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is the MVP and the fantasy player uh, in what should be, you know, 
it'll be a disappointing season for Cowboys fans to two years in a row not make the playoffs after making it um, in Dak and Zeke's rookie year. But there are too many questions um, in the secondary, in the passing game that I have to think that they'll be able to compete in a tough division. Um, you know, I don't think that they are guaranteed two wins against the Redskins, and I certainly don't think they are against the Giants or the Eagles. Um, it, the NFC in itself is competitive. Each division in itself also is competitive within the NFC. The NFC East is no different than that with the returning Super Bowl champions and a, a bounce-back Giants team and a whole new look on the Washington Redskins. But the Cowboys will go 500 on the year. It's a letdown when you look at it, but in the landscape, in a tough NFC, they managed to go 500. Uh, that is better said than a lot of teams in the league next year. So that is my season preview for the Dallas Cowboys for this upcoming 2018 season. And that will do it for the end of this episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the episode, you know, switching to this NFL format. We'll hit you with some NBA episodes in the future as well, but I think we'll mostly be keeping it in the realm of an NFL episode, an NBA episode, and kind of run through that. NFL fans, we're getting close to the beginning of the regular season. I hope you're ready to ride through this season with me. I got a lot of stuff planned for us. We're going to you know, keep breaking down the teams. We'll break down the divisions closer to the year. Follow me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. Follow the pod on Twitter at BlakePacePod. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll holler at you next week for the next episode of the Blake Pace Podcast. Have a good weekend, guys.